Hello, and welcome to the Negative Positives Podcast, episode number 131. I'm your host, Mike Gutterman, coming to you from the Gutterman Cave. It's the midweek episode. It is technically Friday morning now, and uh, Ford has... I've been unemployed all week this week as well. My second week of no work due to a parts shortage, due to a parts plant catching on fire. Uh, Apparently, I might be going back to work next week. That's the rumor. But as of right now, I've been almost two weeks without working. And, uh, you know, a lot of people ask me, are are you okay? Is everything fine? Yeah, everything's fine. Like, uh, it doesn't really affect Ford or me so much. I'll eventually get, like, back pay from the situation. And, uh, but it's going to take a while. So I'll be a little, little lean until those checks come in. Cause apparently Ford, they like charge lost production to the parts company that is causing the parts shortage problem, which is not, this is a, a contracted part out to another company. So I don't know how this company is going to afford to pay <laughs> two weeks of lost production. Uh, it might end up bankrupting bankrupting that company I guess I don't know how that how that works but as far as like affecting Ford workers eh, it's for us it's like uh, it's just some some nice time off <laughs> so uh, it's been kind of enjoyable man I've gotten a lot done I I've been able to do a lot of framing and printing and even do a lot of photography more photography than I normally have time for so it's been a it's been kind of a blessing, uh, even though it's going to be a while before I get some money in there. <laughs> so uh, it's just uh, it's a weird situation. In my 19 years at Ford, I've never seen a part shortage go this long and put me off work for so long. But it's uh, strange, but it's just the life of factory work, I guess. You never know what's going to happen. Uh, so let's see. What else has happened? Well, okay, I've got stickers made. Stickers for the Negative Positives podcast. See, uh, I've talked about this before. It's the logo that Mr. John Gregory made for me, and it's awesome. And I so appreciate John's effort on that. Kind of looks like an old uh, ectochrome sort of box. <laughs> kind of stole the idea from Kodak. Hopefully, they won't give me a cease and desist or something. But I feel like I've given Kodak enough love. They should give me a pass on that, right? But it's got a little vibe of a Kodak box. But uh, anyhow, the stickers are made. They are currently drying, and I should probably get them in the next day or two. If you would like a Negative Positives podcast sticker, you can see them on the Facebook group. I have a picture of them in the drying racks uh, that my sticker guy sent me. But if you'd like one, uh, if you can, all you got to do is send me a self-addressed stamp, stamped envelope. Basically, you're sending me two envelopes, one uh, envelope inside of another. And the envelope inside the envelope you send me, <laughs> this makes sense. Just have your uh, return, your address on it with whatever postage it will cost me to send it to you. If it's in the United States, just a, just a simple stamp. Uh, now, if you're outside the United States, uh, whatever it costs you to send me the envelope, it'll cost me to send the second envelope right back to you. So uh, if you can uh, just do that and I will send you a couple of stickers. Uh, for the mere price of postage. So, uh, yeah, just basically put one envelope inside the, an, another envelope. The envelope inside should have your address on there and whatever postage it takes to send that envelope back to you. And I'll throw a couple stickers in there and send it right back to you. So it's called a self-addressed stamped envelope. 
I don't, I don't really hear about that much anymore. But if you'd like a sticker, by all means, uh, yeah, send me that, and I will get you a couple of stickers for, for, well, I guess for free, except for the postage. <laughs> so, uh, and uh, so if you need my address, just hit me up on my email, which is uh, guttermanphoto at gmail.com, or you can hit me up on Facebook Messenger or Instagram direct messages, and I'll send you my address and and uh, we can get that worked out. So if you want a sticker, just let me know. We'll uh, we'll get it worked out. So yeah, I'm really excited about it. I'm, I love stickers. I've said that many a times. Uh, also tonight, uh, Andre was supposed to be sh- uh, joining me tonight. Andre Dominguez is on uh, summer break now. He's actually in Miami now visiting his family. Uh, unfortunately, he is kind of on his family schedule, which is a much earlier schedule than what college kids and uh, old factory night shift workers like me. <laughs> so he could not uh, stay up as late tonight to do this podcast with me. We were going to do it earlier, but I went to a rock show tonight. So I went to see uh, Godspeed, You Black Emperor here in Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, I mean, if you know anything about what I've talked about musically on this podcast, I'm a big fan of what's called post-rock which is like instrumental rock music, uh, usually pretty long songs. <laughs> but uh, my old band, Sea Hero, was definitely in that genre. And uh, so uh, other bands that are in that, like Mogwai, uh, Explosions, in the, Explosions in the Sky, This Will Destroy You, uh, a lot of other bands in that uh, type of genre. Uh, and it's, it's kind of music that I've... I've Listen, like to listen to a lot and have, and uh, also like to play a lot in bands that I've been in or whatever. Uh, Godspeed is not one of my favorites of that genre, but, you know, I had to go check them out. One problem I have with them is their songs tend to be like, like 15, 20 minutes long. If you buy a Godspeed record, it's like, like three songs and it's like an hour long. <laughs> and so, but it's a little, it's a little too drony for me, I guess. But, but it was still worth going to see. My, actually, funny, my wife won tickets for it, so uh, I didn't think she won these tickets, and I didn't think I'd be able to go see it because you know I normally work on Thursday nights. But being laid off, uh, you know, she won the tickets. Go check it out. And it was really cool. Uh, did grow a little old for me a little bit just because of the, the style of music that they play. I mean, I like it, but it did kind of go a little... It was a little long-winded as far as getting to the point at times. But still very enjoyable. But the, the weird thing was, the thing I really enjoyed maybe the most about it, and this shows how much of a film geek I am, but they had like a live projection, film projection operator operating, working during the entire set, doing like film projections behind... The, the band on stage and there was like this rack just loaded with all these films just hanging there and he would load them up on the fly in the projector and uh, uh, put different project- film projections up behind the band and that was as impressive as the musicians were that was pretty impressive watching that guy work loading up you know reels of uh, uh, film and live projecting uh, to the music and it was just really cool to see and it was really cool to see all that film hanging there and I just kind of geeked out about 
seeing all these strips of film hanging next to the film projector guy. So I had just as much fun watching him as I did the band. But uh, uh, I posted a photo of that on the Facebook group if you want to see a little bit of that. But uh, with the, well, like at least what his film stash looked like. It was, I just it was so so cool to walk into a concert and see see film strips hanging. Like, <laughs> uh, I'm so nerdy about this film stuff. But uh, also, uh, let's see what else here. So last night I went out and did some film photography. I took my newly acquired Pentax 645N out and uh, a row of the Cinestill 800T that Andre Dominguez so graciously gave me for my birthday and went around, spent a couple hours shooting that row and then actually had one or two shots left this afternoon. I was like, so I was going to take a portrait or two of my wife just to finish up the row. And when I finished up the row, it made this really weird weird sound it sounded like a a duck screaming in agony and i was like oh that didn't sound good and i hope this isn't a camera problem uh because i just got this camera uh but it turns out i probably loaded the film wrong and uh and i've loaded pentax 645s quite a bit in this situation i was loading it in kind of a dark environment outside at night uh, at the riverfront of my city, uh, where we have a Ohio River borders uh, Louisville, Kentucky. So I was at the riverfront. It was not very light, and I don't think I loaded it properly. And so basically destroyed that roll of Cinestill 800T in medium format, and I am really a upset about it i hated to lose that role <laughs> but you know what it just it show, goes to show you you know no matter how long you do this uh and no matter i was probably a little cocky i'll be honest with you it's probably a little cocky i've loaded these cameras before uh and just probably didn't um didn't mind my p's and q's so even years of experience can you can still goof up and uh you know what didn't stop me though so what i did after i left the godspeed show Godspeed, you black emperor. After I left that show, I had my 645 in with me again tonight. And my other row of Cinestill 800T that Andre Dominguez gave me for my birthday. Loaded it up, went downtown to the riverfront, took the same shots, made sure I loaded it properly this time. And I think, I think it came, I think everything worked fine. I actually did, even did a little bracketing with it because I haven't shot 800T. I'm not sure how it's going to respond to some of these lighting situations I was throwing at it. So I did a little bit of bracketing. So uh, I'm going to try to get that road developed tomorrow if I'm off work again tomorrow, which it looks like I might be, and uh, see how that comes out. I'm really excited to see how the Cinestill 800T comes out, especially in medium format. So uh, I did get that uh, done. So more photography got done, so I'm really happy about that. And then lastly, uh, on this first segment, I've had a couple of call-ins, and I so appreciate the call-ins because I made a call-out for call-ins, and I've gotten two call-ins. So you people have uh, responded uh, just as I hoped you would. You've come through, and uh, I wasn't surprised. I had faith in you guys, and you did it. So I have two call-ins tonight to address. Uh, So I'm going to get to those next. Uh, also, I, I forgot to mention, on the stickers, uh, when you send me a self-addressed stamped envelope, the stickers are 5.5 inches long by 2.25 inches tall. So uh, but keep that in mind when you send me an envelope. Make sure I don't have to like 
bend the sticker or whatever. 5.5 inches long by 2.25 inches high. Um, yeah, I don't know what that is in your all's metric system if you're not in the United States. Sorry, I'm a, I'm a Cretan uh, as far as uh, uh, that, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> but anyhow, let's get to this first call in. This one is from Andrew Bartram. And uh, I'm going to take a break, play his call in, and I'll be back to respond to that. Hey Mike, it's Andrew from the UK. Just finished listening to episode 129. Great job as usual. Love your tenacity. Keep it up. Eastman uh, movie film. Yeah, love it. That's uh, all I use in 35mm. Uh, framing. I haven't done any in a while, but I use um, mount board uh, and then a, a beveled edge cutter attached to a ruler and do my own mounts. That's uh, pretty easy. So... Um, Great show, Mike. Keep it up, and uh, look forward to hearing you and Andre together soon. Cheers. Thank you, Andrew Bartram, for that call-in. Andrew has joined Corey Cannon on the Lensless Podcast as, like, his host on the Lensless Podcast. And uh, he actually also posted a video on the Facebook group of his dark room. Of his dark room. And it's very impressive. And... Uh, I always love the videos on the Facebook group. If you guys want to like do videos on the Facebook group of your dark rooms, or your film stash, any sort of videos, it's always really cool to get an inside peek at your life, at your process, at the at your film love. So uh, I always enjoy those. Uh, uh, he calls my <laughs> he appreciates my tenacity, <laughs> and I I appreciate him saying that. Uh, tenacity is one word. To, to describe it, I guess. Uh, if one th- one thing's for sure, this podcast is prolific, I guess. <laughs> but I'll take tenacity. I like that, and I love the fact that he is also enjoying the Eastman fifty two twenty two. I am really, really liking that film, and I'm going to shoot a a crap ton of it in my future because I have the first role I got developed of it. I can't say enough good things about the Eastman fifty two twenty two double X. Uh, that Cinna still sells, and you can also buy on the FPP uh, as well. And uh, it's kind of holding me over until Kodak brings back Plus X. But because uh, <laughs> uh, Eastman 5222 is technically a 200 speed film, I shot it at 400 speed, and uh, not because I meant to, I just kind of made a mistake, and uh, it came out perfect. So, and I've seen people pushing it further than that, and it seems to be doing quite well with it. Uh, he mentioned mat cutting. Uh, I have posted several videos this week about like cheap mat cutting using like cardstock uh, with really really cheap frames. Now this is by all means not how you actually should properly frame things, but this is for like outdoor art shows. Uh, you have to realize the shows that I sell at, I'm trying my my customers are trying to determine whether they want to buy their next beer or buy a photo from me. So. It's all about being cheap and doing it as cheap as possible. That's how I, I'm able to sell things. Now, if you're doing a gallery show, it's an entirely different thing. Uh, but I've posted some some videos on the Facebook group recently uh, showing how to really cheaply frame. And they look fine. It's not like the, the perfect best way to do it. But it works. Uh, but for the most part, generally I do do things. <laughs> do-do. I said do-do. <laughs> Oh, anyway, uh, the uh, generally I do do things. I, I said it again. I said do do again. Generally, I try to be more professional in my matting 
and I actually do usually cut mats uh, properly uh, but in my Facebook videos I was showing you how to do things really cheap but uh, when you're cutting actual mats I use what's it's made by Logan it's a Logan mat cutter it's a push style mat cutter model 2000 and uh, it's uh, I've used this thing for years it's like this uh, angled sort of blade like this is if you look at it you'll kind of understand it but like you slide the blade down and it cuts the bevel in the inner like in the inside square of your mat where your your, your print's going to be it cuts the bevel perfectly pretty easy to, to work but if you're looking for mat cutters uh i can i've been using this thing for i don't know 13 years now the logan push style model 2000 mat cutter uh you have to actually buy their blades for it because it's a specific type of razor blade that goes in it uh but the, the blades are cheap it's not like they don't really like uh overcharge you or gouge you on the blades so uh because uh, having a sharp blade when you're cutting mats is extremely important and it will make your job much easier so you'll be surprised how quick these blades can dole up when you cut some when you're cutting a lot of mats but uh, uh but yeah uh, look into the Logan mat cutter if you wanted to cut your own mats and uh, you're gonna need a straight edge and but there's plenty of videos out there it's not hard to cut your own mats like properly and uh, I actually somewhat have got it down to a process now that uh, has made it pretty simple and and almost I wouldn't say enjoyable but I don't mind it like I get into the zone and I get a bunch of mats cut in one night and it's it's a good time I want to try to do a video on the Facebook group of how I cut actual mats, not the cheap ass stuff I've been doing lately with uh, <laughs> with cardstock and stuff that I did. The videos I posted uh, uh, this last week, but I want to actually do a video of how I'm doing a little more professional matting. But uh, so yeah. But thank you, Andrew Bartram, for that call in, and uh, I really appreciate it. And. Loving the Lensless Podcast, too. If you guys aren't listening to that, check out the Lensless Podcast with Andrew and Corey Cannon. So, uh, all right. Let me uh, take uh, another little break here. And uh, I have a call-in from Denise Grays. I'm going to uh, take a break, play her call-in, and uh, get to that one. Hi, Mike. This is Denise Grays from Wichita, Kansas. And I'm a fairly new listener and member of the Facebook group. And I'm enjoying both very much. In the uh, past couple of episodes, you've mentioned about your participation in the art fair. And I was curious about how you became involved in the art fair and what the art scene is like in general in Louisville. Um, I look forward uh, to the next episode. Cheers. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, cheers to you, Denise Grace. And thank you for uh, the call-in. Um, and also thank you for listening and joining the Facebook group. It's uh, nice to have you uh, on the on the group and uh, nice to have an, an, a newer listener. Um, hopefully you can catch up with the volume of episodes that are out there. But uh, uh, how I became involved in the art scene. Well, it's kind of a it's kind of makes me sound more like an alcoholic than maybe I am. But like uh, the bar I hang out at all the time. Uh, one of the bartenders there, I knew that he was an artist and that he was involved in some art show. So I started talking to him. I was like, hey, man, I'm doing photography. Like, I don't really know where I'm at with it. I don't know what I want to do with it. Uh, I'm just not really sure what, 
you know, how to sell this stuff or if I want to try to sell this stuff. So he was like, well, Mike, next time you come to the bar and I'm working, bring your, uh, bring a portfolio to me or bring, or just bring some photos to me and let me, let me take a look at it. And, uh, so the next time I went up there that he was working, brought a, like a, uh, you know, a photo album of some, some, some prints that I had made. And, uh, he's like, he's like, you know what? I'm a painter. I'm not a photographer. Uh, but you know, I think you got something going on here and why don't you try to join my art fair or just come and, uh, ex- you know, exhibit in my art fair. And it turns out his art fair was, is the Louisville unfair. And it's one of the better local art fairs to do here in this town. Um, it's, it's a huge show cause we're right next to a, what's called the St. James art fair, which I've talked about quite a bit throughout these episodes. Uh, it's like St. James is like the second biggest, I think, uh, outside art show in the United States. And, uh, we're right next to it and we do it at the same time. And like, so we've gotten this sort of following as being like the local, cause almost everybody in St. James is not local artists. They're all like from all over the country. So we've gotten like this reputation of being like the local artist, uh, right next to it. And people come check us out when they want local art. And we're generally a whole lot cheaper. And, uh, uh, so he got me into that and, uh, I did it. My first year was a kind of a complete bust. Uh, and I actually almost didn't like do it again the next year, but the guy that founded the unfair, uh, said, Mike, look, everyone's first year, you got to figure out, you know, what your market is, how to sell things. You know, it's a learning process. Do it another year before you give up on it. And I'm so glad I did because the second year I changed the game a little bit. And uh, I was went from selling just matted prints to like framed prints because I realized that people want to buy something from you and go home and hang it on their wall. They don't want to buy... I mean, I do sell some prints occasionally. Um, but for the most part, people want to leave an art fair and go home and hang it on their wall. They don't want to like mat it, frame it, or even if you sell them in mats and plastic poly bags or whatever they don't want to find a frame for it uh people are much more willing to buy something from you if they can go home and immediately put it on their wall so and that's that's how i changed from year one to year two and immediately my sales increased and each year as i have done this art fair i've gotten more and more in tune with what the what the buyers are for that particular show and i've gotten more successful every single year like last year was my best year ever and i'm going on 13 or 14 years in this now so the thing about doing art shows is know that like the first time you do it you may not know the audience you may not know exactly what's going to sell or how to sell but you can take that experience and the next year improve on what was your what was good and what was bad and then you know it'll just get better like I'm actually participating in an art show that I've talked about quite a bit next month that I have no idea what the audience is going to be like. So my only plan at this point, since I've never participated in this one before, I think it's actually the first time this art show has actually ever happened. It's the first first one. So I have no idea what the audience is going to be. So the only way I can approach it is to kind of like bring a lot of stuff and kind of throw a bunch of stuff on the wall and see what sticks, you know, and... Uh, maybe next year, if they do it again, I'll know better, uh, how to approach that art show. But anytime you approach a new art show you've never done before, the, 
no, don't have any high expectations because uh, you may not sell well. And But if you get to do it again the next year or however often it is, you'll learn from that. Uh, go into the first time as a learning situation and hoping, hoping to sell something, but expect the worst. You may not do well, but like you'll figure it out and the more you do it, the more you'll, you'll identify the type of clients that might be buying from you or would want to buy from you, and you'll you'll kind of get a laser focus and figure out what your market is in those typical typical uh, type shows. So that's my biggest advice about art shows. I, I almost gave up on it, and I'm so glad I didn't now because now this Louisville unfair that my bartender friend got me into is uh, something I look forward to every year and I do extremely well and it seems to be just getting better and better every year because I've just had the experience of selling things and I know what people at that fair are looking to buy and so I can kind of like choose which photos that I've taken that year that will you know kind of be in that genre so uh, but as far as the Louisville art scene in general we have Louisville is actually a pretty cool town as far as art so they're very supportive of the arts and so I'm very fortunate in that situation. And I know a lot of towns maybe aren't so much, and but Louisville for a small, it's not a, it's not a small town. I mean, it's a, it's a big city, but it's not, you know, one of the, I just say for the size of our city, the there's a pretty vibrant arts community in this town, both in music and in art. And uh, I uh, am fortunate and that's one of the reasons I love this town. Um, but so yeah, it's um, the worst. The strange thing about Louisville is Louisville is in the dead center of the country. Like, uh, and so the strange thing about Louisville is they don't know whether they're Midwest, they don't know whether they're North, they don't know whether they're South, they don't know whether they're artistic and like cultured, or if they're Southern and redneck. <laughs> Not saying that all Southerners are rednecks. I love the South, but I'm just saying there's there's plenty of rednecks here. There's plenty of like cultured, artistic folks here, and there's plenty of pretentious people here as well. Like there's a strange mix in this town. This and another thing is the, the city doesn't know whether it's a small town or a big city, and like all these little weird sort of uh, fights. Louisville is a is a, is a is a city that doesn't really know what it is. And that's kind of what makes it cool. We don't know if we're South. We don't know if we're North. We don't know if we're like, you know, uh, highbrow or lowbrow. We don't like this sort of like lack of identity sort of makes it very, uh, uh, I don't know what's the word here. Like it's, uh, it's very, there's just a lot going on. There's a lot of cultures going on here. And uh, I think that's kind of what makes my town kind of cool so uh just uh you know i've lived here for 47 years and i i don't really have any plans to leave it well except for maybe when i retire when i retire I'm, i want to i just want to sit on a beach all day <laughs> so probably move down to florida like so many old americans do and just be an old guy on the beach all leathery and wrinkled and i <laughs> So maybe that's how my retirement will be. But that'd be about the only way, only reason I would leave Louisville. The only thing I hate about Louisville is winter time because I hate cold weather. But anyway, so uh, but thank you, Denise Grays, for the uh, for the uh, call in. And I obviously 
welcome any more call-ins. Keep bringing them, guys. I really appreciate them. And it, uh, it's always good to hear from you all and get you on the show. So uh, if you have the Anchor app or just get the Anchor app, it's free, you know, and call into the show and I will get you on the show. So anyway, that's the end of the show of the Negative Positives podcast. You can see my photography on Instagram at Gutterman Photo, on Facebook at Mike Gutterman Photography. You can email this program or me in general for the stickers. Uh, at guttermanphoto at gmail.com and obviously join the Facebook group it is a Negative Positives Film Photography Podcast Facebook group alright everyone stay positive take some cool film photos and I will see you very soon thank you very much